Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> praise God. Um, well, before I begin this evening, I've actually asked um, my sister, Sister Haiti, my sister, Sister Haiti, uh, to, to come up, and she's got a, a short testimony about um, making disciples. So come up. Thanks, Rowan. Well, actually, Rowan um, asked me to put it on the discipleship chat, and then I was like, oh, no, Rowan, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I don't want to put it on the chat. And then he told me after a few days that I'm going to testify. So <laughs> if he tells you to put it on the chat, put it on the chat. <laughs> um, well, no, it is a privilege. It's a privilege to talk about God um, and what he does for us in our lives um, and what he does for um, other people as well. So um, the book that we've been reading is um, this book, and we, Rowan's been going through chapter by chapter, and um, one of the things I'd like to just point out, um, it says here, um, God opens doors for making disciples when we are simply going through our daily lives with intentional hearts for others. Um, simply take advantage of these opportunities and present themselves that, that present themselves during daily routines. So keeping that in mind, um, a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago now, I was taking Elijah um, to swimming. And he's in a new swimming class and he's got new kids, new teacher. And I sat down next to a mum and her little boy was um, swimming. Um, and I said, oh, I really like your little boy's rashy. It's so cool. It's like a little, little lizard rashy. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, um, it's like a cheap one, but, um, you know, you have to get them regularly because, like, the chlorine kills the water. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she got, got to chatting to her. Um, she said, oh, which, what school do your son go to? What year is he in? We're chatting about the fact that um, the kids, we put the kids into a Christian school. And she's like, oh, I'd love to put my kids in a Christian school. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, just check out this one that we go to. It's like a really good school and they've got really good Christian values. And while I was chatting with her, I noticed um, on her top it said Jesus. So I thought, oh, she like, must be a Christian. So I carried on chatting with her and everything and um, the school like, kept on coming up. And then I don't know what happened halfway through the conversation. Um, I just said to her, hey, have you thought about becoming an EA? Very random. Wasn't where the line of the discussion was really going. Um, and then she's like, that's so strange that you say that because my friend who is an EA just told me a few days ago to become an EA. She's like, that's such a strange thing. I'm like, yeah, that's really strange. And I'm thinking in my head, that's so strange. She's like, why would I talk to this girl about becoming an educational assistant? And, so, and then I said, oh, you know, you pop your kids into the Christian school. You might be able to work at the same school, same hours, same holidays. And all that like, seemed really interesting. And then as we were having this conversation, the friend that she had um, spoken about showed up. And she was doing a relief day. Her friend was doing a relief day at the school that was doing swimming lessons at the pool. And it was like, she looked at me and I looked at her and we both said, oh, this is like strange. And then I said, I think it's a God thing. And she said, I think it's a God thing too. And we just looked at each other and we were like, kind of like, oh, this is a bit strange. Um, then anyway, I left the conversation there. I said, oh, I'll catch up with you next week. Um, so on Thursday, we went back to swimming lessons. 
And um, I got talking to her again and I said, I'd really love your number. Um, like, like to like chat with you, talk to you more about God and everything else. And um, yeah, she, she said, look, last week was like really crazy. She goes, I don't believe in coincidences. And I think everything that you told me was God changing a direction in my life. And I said, oh, yeah, I think so too. I said, I've been praying for you all week. She goes, really? And I'm like, yeah, I've been praying for you all week. She goes, I wanted to ask you to pray for me, but I felt really bad. I'm like, oh, no, I can pray for you. And, and she goes, I want to ask you to pray for me. Like, I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. I, I want, like, I know God's changing a direction and doing something in my life. And I, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to, like, you know, really get on fire for God. And I'm like, yeah, I can pray for you for that. <laughs> like, sure. And um, I prayed for her and, like, while the kids were swimming. And I said to her, look, I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I'm so grateful and so thankful that God can use me to change the direction of your life. I said, I don't know why I spoke to you about the things I spoke to you about. I have no idea. Um, but I think God is changing your life. And I think God's using me to do, to do that. And whatever you need, like however I can help, don't know how I can do it, but I hope I can. Um, and yeah, so God's kind of doing something in um, my life, this girl's life. And, and yeah, carry on to be a disciple maker. Praise God. Amen. It's just um, wonderful to see just a simple change of mindset of being intentional. That You know, when we are going to swimming lessons or when we're going to Maccas or when we're going to Coles or wherever we're going, um, it's the opportunity. God's given us an opportunity to be salt, to be light to those that are around us. And sometimes we're going to say things that are strange. And we don't know why we say them. But if God's given us the opportunity, we need to take that. And we need to, we need to spread that, the good news. Amen. People are suffering and they're, they're lost. And, and they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the good news. They, they, they want a relationship with God. And we're just that conduit. We're just the, the hands, his feet. That, that will reach out to our communities, that will reach out to those people that are lost. And it's been a blessing to see uh, all of the disciple makers who have, you know, we're studying uh, the, the book or we're studying the Bible and, and we're really seeing people um, teaching Bible studies that are witnessing to their friends, that are teaching Bible studies in lunch breaks and on park benches and um, in houses and it's just, it's amazing just to see uh, God changing um, the people that they're reaching, but also just God changing the disciple makers, amen? That's been such a blessing. Um, and so the next time when I preach, I'll be asking uh, someone else to come up and to, to testify because it's an encouragement to us to see the amazing things that God is doing. And it's it's. It's not our own ability. We're, we're just partnering with him. He's, he's helping us to do these things. Amen. Praise God. Before I begin, I'll just uh, start with, open with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. Thank you for your kindness, your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness towards us. We thank you for the wonderful things you're doing in our lives, in this church, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as as I speak and as a minister, that your word would fall on good ground in our hearts. Lord Jesus, it would multiply and it would bear fruit, Lord Jesus, for you. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you, I worship you, and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to thank Pastor also for another opportunity. I thought I got out of it last a couple of weeks ago. Um, the service went off, and then um, I didn't have to preach. Um, but praise God, I have an opportunity to minister. And I also want to um, actually thank my wife as well. Um, I just want to thank her for her support and for her love and um, just helping me through the times that I, that I uh, minister. Uh, she takes care of the kids and, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do with, without her. So I just want to um, give her honour as well. So as I begin, I remind and I ask everyone, what is our mission? That's right. Go make disciples. I want to keep reminding you that. That is our mission, to go and make disciples. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 says, Come unto me. If you want to turn there, you can turn there. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So the title of tonight's message is The Lost Christian. The Lost Christian. I've read um, this scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. If we can just have it up at the moment. I've read it quite a number of times. Um, and today I'd like to study it through the lens of discipleship. So let's start with uh, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is an invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus. He's calling us to come unto him. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are invited. You are invited. All of us, all of us here are invited. All of humanity are invited to come into a relationship with Jesus. No one is excluded from this call. If you want rest from your sin, Jesus is the answer for you today. You can make peace with your creator and he will give you rest from your sins. There's countless scriptures that I can read um, that talk about this. Isaiah 28, 11 to 12 prophesying of the Holy Spirit says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Amen. Isn't it amazing that we no longer have to carry the heavy burden of sin? But he took that burden. He gave us rest. Amen. How amazing is that? How What? What amazing news is that? The good news that, that he gives us rest. We don't have to be weary from the burden of sin. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will give us rest. But it doesn't just end at verse twenty-eight. Jesus does not just give us rest and just leave us to do whatever we want. Let's read chapter verse twenty-nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. It's a bit confusing. So what the 28 says, I will give you rest. And then 29 says, and you shall find rest. So I'm confused. Are we gonna, is he going to give us rest or are we going to find rest? How do, how do we find rest? And this is what I want to talk about this evening. This is precisely the place where we find many Christians in the world today. They are the lost Christians. They've been given rest. Jesus has given rest, given them rest. They've been saved by his grace, yet they are lost because they do not go further to find rest. And I want to focus on that. Perhaps you have been a Christian for many years. You've repented, been baptized, received the Holy Spirit, been saved by the blood of Jesus. He's given you rest. You're freed from the burden of sin. But perhaps you may be that lost Christian You have not gone on to find rest. And to be honest, for many years, I can say this is where I've been, saved but lost, given rest but not finding it, being saved, doing Christian things, attending church, teaching, serving, helping, but still lost, not fully convicted or not fully convinced to what? To take on his yoke and learn of him like I ought to. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'd like to explore this together. Once Jesus gives us rest, then we have the responsibility to then find rest. And finding rest happens when you go searching. And that only happens how? The scripture says, by taking on his yoke and learning of him. So let's consider the context of of what Jesus was talking about in in uh, Matthew, the context of his words, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That yoke in the first century Israel, just like this uh, picture we have up here, two oxen are chosen to share a yoke. There was an older, more seasoned ox, and he is trained from years of routine. The second is a young, new ox, and he has potential but is inexperienced. By sharing the same yoke with an experienced workhorse, the elder trains the younger. Not only that, but the experienced one draws the harder to bear load and the majority of the load. Since the older one leads, the younger ox does not have to wonder what to do. He learns from his mentor and gains the knowledge and skill to teach others. And this picture very much resembles discipleship. Jesus invites us to learn of him which is another way of saying, be my disciple. There is peace in not having to figure out life on your own. There's assurance as we follow his lead. Jesus also declares that his yoke is easy. That word easy doesn't mean it's just simple, but it means his yoke is good. It actually means his yoke is useful. There is a purpose. And if I'm yoked to Jesus, there is peace in being yoked to someone that's good, 
loving and patient. A paraphrase that I like, um, that I found was in this scripture is, get in the yoke with me. Let me disciple you. I'll bear the weight of your burden. My yoke is good and you will find rest and companionship in our labor together. Isn't that amazing? Jesus invites us to be a laborer with him, to be a partner with him. That's what Sister Haiti was doing. She was partnering with Christ. Amen? And when we take on his yoke, we learn of him. We get that on-the-job training, much like an apprentice. You know, you go to, uh, I went to university for four years, or, you know, you go, to, go through school for 12 years, then you go to university for another four years, and then you might do a professional uh, master's or whatever. But the education, you, don't, you get put into a job, and on your first day, you're like, how do I do this? You don't understand how to um, do the journals or whatever, whatever the, I, I can explain it in accounting terms, but whatever the job you're doing, until you actually you, you get on the job, then they're like, oh no, this is how you actually do a weld, or this is how you, you do a journal, this is how you flip a burger, or this is whatever it is. It's through the mentoring, through that experience. And um, it's that mentor-apprenticeship relationship. As the expert, Jesus exposes our faults. Amen? He exposes our lack of experience, our lack of knowledge and understanding, the things that we need to work on. But he also encourages us, and he equips us, and he helps us to achieve his goal. Just like a master teaches the apprentice, working with Jesus, we have a purpose and a reason that is beyond ourselves, and that's the amazing thing. It's like, I'm not just doing this for what I get out of it. It's, there's a bigger purpose beyond me, and I'm partnering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to achieve his will and not mine. But we can't work with him, and we won't find the rest until we do what the Scripture says. And what does the Scripture say? Take my yoke upon you. See, there is a taking up, there is a carrying. And without this intentional action, we don't find rest in our souls. There is a yoke we must take up. And if we can get that next slide up, a cross that we must carry. And I see this parallel between these scriptures. Matthew chapter 16 says, Then he said unto his disciples, If any man will come up after me, let him deny himself and what take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross. And there is this parallel taking upon this, the yoke. I talked about this in our first discipleship um, lessons in May, actually. Reverend Stan Gleason, from his book in Disciple to Lead, he made the point saying, what if our cross is not a sore body or a sickness or high blood pressure? It's not our financial problems or our trials or our circumstances, our problems. What if our cross is not something that we are going through, but rather our cross is a person, is a human being, a person that doesn't know Jesus, perhaps a person who's going through a divorce or perhaps a person that you meet at a swimming lesson, 
perhaps a family member that is dying from cancer or a neighbor that is struggling with loneliness. Perhaps a mother struggling with depression or a father lost in addictions. Our child, our grandchildren, a new modern saint. What if your cross is a person you have to carry every day? What if your cross is a person? And I'm going to illustrate this um, to help you to understand. And if you were at the Ministers and Leaders Conference this year, it's similar to what um, Donnie Willis uh, illustrated with us. Um, can we have that next slide up? And I talked about experienced ox. An experienced ox yoke to an inexperienced ox. Learning from them. And that's what we're doing we, when we take his yoke upon us. Um, when we take his yoke upon us, there's a connection with the source, a connection with the power, a connection with the eternal, the master, the teacher, the rabbi. We're led by him and we're taught by him. So I've asked Brother David if he could just come up. And uh, I'm going to be the... Do you want to come on this side? I'm going to be the, um, the old ox. <laughs> And Brother David is going to be the uh, younger ox. Um, and, you know, the older ox, he's the one that controls where we go. The older ox says, we're going this way, we go this way. He's the one that leads. Amen? He's the one that has the power. He's the one that has the authority. He's the one that knows where to go. So the older ox goes, hey, David, we're going to see, let's see Matthew. Brother Matthew is... He's struggling with addictions. Why don't we pray for Matthew? Yeah? Okay, let's see Brother Steve. Brother Steve, I think he's awake. <laughs> he's struggling with understanding the word of God. Why don't we teach him a Bible study? Look, there's Sister Debbie. She might be struggling with some loneliness. Why don't we pray with her? Wow, look, there's Sister Liz. She's struggling in her marriage. Her husband is he's a bit lazy. <laughs> Why don't we um, take care of the kids so that they can go out on a date? <laughs> look, there's Brother Thomas. He's struggling with a sickness. Why don't we get some oil and anoint him? Church, can you see what we're doing? Can you see the example? We are yoked together with the living God. Amen. Thank you, David. Notice who is leading, who is teaching, who is directing, who is working, actually working the hardest. We can't reach the lost on our own. We're not using man's techniques or man's technology to try and do these things, or man's wisdom. What we need to do is we just need to connect, our, connect to the yoke, connect to Christ, amen? It's a collaborative effort with him. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that teaches us. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that helps us and makes us say things that we don't know why we said them. He is the all-powerful, and he's invited us to connect to him, to take on the yoke, to discipline us, to help us. We are his hands and his feet. 
And it's important that we understand that we have to take his yoke upon us. Disciple-making is its a sign of a mature believer, an indicator of our growth as a Christian. Hebrews chapter 5 in the New Living Translation says, verse 12 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. That word teaching means to disciple. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, we ought to be teaching others. We ought to be. We ought to be discipling others. That's a sign of maturity. And yet you, you can't do it because you, you, you can only receive milk. As being connected with Jesus, he, he disciples us as we disciple others. And it's through that process that it, we actually mature. And I don't know about you, but we should not be happy with just the basic milk and the things of God or religious practices or traditions. We need to move on into the meat of relationship with Jesus and with teaching others. As believers, we must, we must reproduce. It is not simply enough just to attend church or participate in services or events. It's not a substitution for making disciples. As Pastor said before, you know, it's just not a Sunday-only thing. Sunday is the celebration of what God has done during the week from Monday through to Saturday. What happens in here has to translate to the swimming pools. It has to translate out there into our family and our friends. It has to translate. Otherwise, what's the point? We're just at a concert here, coming here every Sunday. No, this gospel, this good news, it has to be proclaimed to everyone. It's the equivalent of, you know, just attending a basketball game and then thinking, yeah, I can play like Michael Jordan, but you're never actually playing. You're just watching. We have to get on the court. We have to engage the enemy. We must bear fruit. A fruitfulness is not just what we do at church or a godly character trait fruit of the Spirit or a gift. But I submit to you it's more than that. Fruitfulness is making disciples. When is an apple tree fruitful? When it gives shade? No. When the leaves grow? No. When the branches grow? No. When it grows fruit? Uh, To a degree, yes. But it is truly fruitful when it reproduces itself, when it produces another apple tree. Our ability to reproduce after our kind to make disciples, that is fruitfulness. And God is interested in fruit. The first command that God gave mankind in Genesis 1.28 was what? Be fruitful and multiply. So let's look. Let's look at the parable of the sower and the sea. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Matthew 13, 18 to 23. So in this scripture, Jesus... Um, was he gave a he gave a parable, uh, the sower and the seed, and then he actually explains the, the parable further down in chapter thirteen, and we're going to start at verse eighteen and read through to twenty three. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. 
This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. But also, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed unto the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The lost Christian is lost because the soil of his heart does not have the right conditions to produce fruit. So I'm going to say that again in light of that scripture. The lost Christian is lost because the soil of his heart does not have the right conditions to produce fruit. So when God's word comes, there is offense, there is lack of understanding, there is apathy, deceitfulness, distractions, and theft by the enemy. Millions of people attend church. They hear the word, but the condition of their heart is not right to produce fruit. It's not right to make disciples. They're simply not yoked to Jesus. They've been given rest, but never find it. These are the lost Christians. The soil of their heart is not cultivated for the reproduction of disciples. So what, what do we do? Are we lost? Are you lost? If the ground of our heart is not right and we're not producing fruit, what do we do? Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 gives us hope. It says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Jeremiah says, Break up the fallow ground. Have a heart that is in the right condition so that it will produce fruit. And so the question is, how do I break up that fellow ground? What do we do? We become like that ox. We take on his yoke. And see in this, in this picture, and we plow. We plow with Jesus the fields of our heart to break up that fellow ground so that that fellow ground can produce fruit. Taking on his yoke is the key. Carrying the cross. It is the connection with the source. Yoking with the power. That, so that our life uh, produces fruit. So that there's reproduction. So there's new life. There is transformation. There is growth. In our Disciple Makers lesson a few weeks ago, Brother Stan Gleason taught about um, the fig tree that Jesus cursed. You may all know that story. Mark eleven twelve to 25 says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee thereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So he cursed the tree and Jesus came with his disciples to the tree and he found no fruit 
and he cursed it. But why did he, why did he do that? See, it's known that when a fig tree is full of leaves, that is a sign that the fig tree is producing fruit. And Jesus, the scripture says, Jesus was hungry. So there's this expectation. He was afar off. He could see this tree full of leaves. So he saw this tree. He's like, wow, I'm going to have some figs now. He, he, was, he was getting ready. Like, and he came closer and he came closer. And then, you know, he's checking the bottom of the tree. He's maybe he asked his disciples, hey, give me a boost up. Let me see if there's something up the top there. You know, he, he was, there must be fruit. Look how many leaves are on this tree. There must be something on here. And so Jesus was hungry. He, you know, he, maybe he was hangry. Um, <laughs> and he cursed the tree. It's just like, I was expecting fruit, but he was sorely disappointed. There was nothing on there had this image or impression of fruit in full bloom, full of leaves. It had this impression of reproduction, but it had none. In other words, it had the looks of a Christian from afar. But upon closer inspection, there is no production of fruit. The tree had been given rest, but it not, had not found rest. Because there was no fruit. This is the marks of a lost Christian. If I could just ask the music team to come up. And I would just like to remind Northside Pentecostal Church, me, all of us, we all need to be, we all need to turn from consumers to producers. We can't be like the Dead Sea. You know, the Dead Sea, there's nothing that flows out of it. Everything from the River Jordan just flows into it. It's always taking and never, never giving. Jesus is not here to give you fish. He is here to teach you how to fish. He didn't say to his disciples, come after me and I'll give you fish. If he said that, he would have heaps and heaps of people just following him all the time because they just want the fish. They just want the bread. They just want... They just want all this stuff. They just want to consume, consume, consume. But Jesus, when he called his disciples, what did he say? Let's bring that scripture up. When he first called them, what, what was that? And Jesus said unto them, come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's what he said. He didn't say, I'll give you fish. He said, I will make you. I will make you. I will disciple you. I will change you. I will direct you. But come after me. He was saying, take on this yoke. Learn of me. Learn of me. To be what? To be fishers of money? Jesus saying, come after me and I'll make you a lot of money. To be in charge of politics? Fishers of politics? That's what the, the Jews thought. The Pharisees, they, they thought that's who the Messiah was going to be. Of power, of possessions. Is he going to be a fisher of religion? A fisher of church? A fisher? No. He said, I will make you fishers of men. 
This is a heavenly kingdom. It is his kingdom. And he has called us. He has called each and every one of us not to be lost. But he has called us to fish for men. And he will make us. He will transform your life when you take up his yoke and follow him. Let's stand. So I want to challenge you this evening. I want to challenge you to engage. I want to challenge you to engage with the mission to go and make disciples. I want to challenge you to engage with Christ, to get in the yoke with him, to engage with the church, with the ministry, to work together, to to turn this world upside down. I want to challenge you to engage. Church, let's not settle for mediocre Christianity and just be full of what I can get what I can receive, what I can consume. That's not, Brother Grant talked in men's yesterday, he talked about the comfortable Christian. Let's not be a comfortable Christian. But he has called us to reach this world. He has called each and every one of us to reach the lost. But how can we reach the lost if we are lost ourselves. Our Christian walk is not one of boredom, but is one full of life. It's it's full of enjoyment and adventure. Amen? It's full of excitement and accomplishment. When Sister Haiti told me about um, how she was witnessing to that uh, woman, there was an excitement in her voice. She's like, wow, God used me. You know, God used me. There's something amazing, that a feeling that you get when you realize, wow, me? Little old me? My parents said I couldn't do anything. I wouldn't amount to anything, but God used me. And let's not settle for anything less, church. Let's not settle for anything less but to be a part of his kingdom to work with him, to be a part in the transformation of people's lives, to be a transformation in children's lives, in families' lives. That's amazing. So amazing. So if you want to be a part of it, if you feel that you've been a bit lost Lately, that lost Christian that hasn't, hasn't quite taken up that yoke, hasn't quite carried the cross. This evening, we have an opportunity just to talk to Christ, just to talk to him and ask him if you can take up the cross, if you can take up that yoke and walk with him to where he wants you to go. Not where you want to go, but where he wants you to go. Praise God. And church, we will turn this world upside down, one disciple at a time. Amen. So these altars are open. If you want to spend some time 
You can come to these altars. You can pray where you're at. Now's a time of prayer spent with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus.